Good morning, everyone. Three weeks till Easter. Are you ready? Yeah. Amen. Are you ready to be on mission and do the things that God has called us to do? Let's stand today, today and let's open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone. Let me say it again. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Father, I pray you'd let that value get deep in our hearts today. That, Father, we would be a people that would not seek to our own advantage. That, Father, we would try to be pleasing to those around us. But for the intent and purpose that they would come to know your Son. Help us to be on mission, just like with this video, to our neighbors, to our friends, to our co-workers, to understand that we live in a mission field today and that we have a calling. Be upon us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever uh, been someplace where everyone seemed to be on mission? The, 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 the whole group of people that were there seemed to be working towards the same end and seem to have the same values. Many companies work hard to try to get there, but it's still, it's a hard thing to achieve. And, and it's still rare. One of the places that you, you might experience that is, uh, is Disney. Every person is trained to be part of the experience. They're all called characters, not just employees. They're part of the, it's part of them getting in their, into their mind that they are one of the characters on the scene. And they're empowered to help the guests have a, a magical experience. If a child drops an ice cream cone, they're, they're, they're all taught to, to clean it up and, and to get them a new one because they want them to have this magical experience. Now, I, I used to be a, a theme park guy and not much, much of one anymore. I'd rather see the pictures than actually go. <laughs> but uh, a couple years ago, a uh, number of years ago now, my dad had been to Bush Gardens and he saw a show there that he really liked and he thought our kids would like it. Our kids were still pretty young at the time. And we were going down the floor and he said, I want you to go to Bush Gardens. And, uh, and he, he knew how many kids I had, and he said, that's going to be expensive, so I'm going to buy your tickets to go to Bush Gardens. And he, he told, there was one show he wanted us to see. So I, I want you to take the kids and let them see the show. So we, we drove down, uh, we were down in Florida, and we'd gone into Tampa, and we had the tickets to go to Bush Gardens, and, and, and we went there on this particular day. It was kind of a rainy morning when it started out, and, and we got there. We thought it was the only, our only day in Tampa, so we had to go that day. 
it was kind of a rainy day that day. It wasn't a, a, a real beautiful day. And so when we got there, the parking lot was fairly empty. There weren't a lot of people there. Uh, but within about a half hour of us being there, it cleared up, and it was a beautiful day. And, and we ended up being in the park where a lot of people had stayed away because, I think, because of the rain. We ended up being, you know, some of the few people that were there. We were able to get into everything very, very quickly, and we saw all the stuff. Uh, as the day unfolded, we'd had lunch, and if you've ever eaten at a park, you know that it's highway robbery. <laughs> you know, what they're charging you for food at these places. Uh, but I'd seen this thing called a churro. You know what a churro is? It's these long, it was a long kind of cylinder, about eight inches tall, you know, and it's kind of a doughy thing and has cinnamon and sugar on it, and it just, yeah, it looks delicious and wonderful and has absolutely no health value except emotionally at all for you. And, and Renee, Renee is taking, this, taking the kids over to this, area where they're going to play for a while, and, and I decided I was going to sneak in a churro while they're over there, because these things, I mean, they don't give these things away. I, I think they were, I think it was like $7. They probably had 12 cents in it, and, and I thought, well, I'll get one. I may have to share it with some of them, but I'm not going to buy, you know, six of these things. That's not happening. So I, I'd gone over, and I'd gotten one of these things, and, and I'd gotten a drink for Renee, and and I'm walking over to meet her, and there's nobody around me. I mean, the, the place, there's just not a lot of people there. And I'm walking across this big area, and I'm kind of walking with the churro in one hand and, and the drink in the other hand, and I'm just, and I, I'm looking, I see Renee, and she's just looking at me. And she's really, just, and I'm thinking, oh, she loves me so much. <laughs> Look at the way she's just looking. Or does she want my churro? Which is it? I, it's, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And as I'm walking, and she just, she's just watching me. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I just get hit. And I mean hard from behind in my hand. Just bam! And my churro's gone. <laughs> and I'm looking around for some kid who's stolen my churro that I'm going to go chase down now, you know. Trying to fit, and, and, and there's nobody around me, and I look at Renee, and she's just laughing. She's laughing at me like, You are so dumb. And she's just <laughs> laughing at me. And I'm like, What, 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 what happened? And she said, I, she said, I saw this seagull coming in behind you, and I thought, That thing's really getting close. <laughs> that stinking bird took my $7 churro. <laughs> so I go back over to the stand because somebody owes me a churro. <laughs> Nobody's there but me and this you know, young kid behind the counter. And I said, hey, I was just here. He goes, yeah, I remember you. I was the only person there. I said, uh, I said man, a bird just stole my churro. And he looks at me, this is what he says, yeah, that happens. <laughs> so I'm looking around the stand, is there a sign that says, watch out for the seagulls, they'll steal your churro, you know, did I miss the sign? And I said, well, there was no sign. I said, well, there's no sign. 
Nobody's warning you. I know, I know. I said, well, man, can I get another churro? He goes, yeah, it'll be seven bucks. <laughs> I said, you're kidding. You're going to charge me for another churro? He goes, ah, yeah, that's the, that's the policy, man. <laughs> I was not feeling magical at all. I was not fe- I knew I wasn't at the magic kingdom. I was at some other kingdom. Because I, I was, now think about this. We went there, we had a, it was a beautiful day, we saw all the shows, we rode all kinds of rides, the kids had a fabulous time. You know, the one thing I remember about being at Bush Garden, that bird stealing my churro and that kid telling me it's going to cost me another seven, I just couldn't stomach $14 for one churro. Somebody's off mission a little bit. Somebody's a little bit off. See, this is a big problem in the church world today. In the church world today, the universal church, we many times fail to see ourselves as being on mission. As, as, a, as a job and a calling, many times, especially in the American church, we want to be served instead of serving. We want things to be aimed at us instead of making sure that others are taken care of. We need to understand that the mission is more important than most things in our lives. We are to live in a way that many may be saved. Jesus didn't leave us here to hide, He didn't leave us here to be silent. He gifted us with his Holy Spirit so we would be voices. He didn't leave us here to go it alone. He sent his Spirit to be with us, to go with us. He calls us to be a voice crying out. He calls us to stand against the running current. He calls us, when others are looking one way, to point them to him to Jesus and Jesus alone. A few years ago, one night, Renee and I decided to uh, pick up a movie on our way home, and we'd run, I, I'd run into the store, and, and I, I came out. She'd been sitting in the store, sitting in the car, and she said, you're not going to believe what happened. And she told me about a man. There was a, a restaurant in town that's since closed down, and, and this man had the restaurant uniform on. And he'd come, not knowing anybody else was around. And, and, and don't even ask me later. I know some of you are going to be curious. But he did something physically gross. Out in the parking lot, standing in front of the car. Guess what? We never went to that restaurant again. We never went. He was a representative of that restaurant He didn't know what his witness had meant. But it ruined that restaurant for us. See, if I go into a store today and people are rude, if somebody doesn't talk to me, if somebody butts in front of me in in line, if, if somebody does something that makes me uncomfortable, I don't judge the store. I judge the store on their service, on how well they do things, on how well things happen. 
not so with the church. We judge the church by people judge the church. The world judges the church by how we act, how we represent them. How many times have we heard somebody say, I don't believe in the church or I don't go to church and they'll tell you about something some church member said or did to them. We've got to understand that once you are known as a Christian, the uniform is on. It's on us wherever we go. Wherever we're at. If you sing in the choir, the uniform is on. If you greet at the doors, the uniform is on. And when you leave here, it stays on. And our call is to understand that we're not looking out for our interest. We're looking out for our advantage. We're called to be on mission. To do the work of the kingdom. And to be a witness for the, for, the, for the glory of God's kingdom. Much of the New Testament is aimed at teaching us how to live for the glory of God. Just like you're going into a business and they want to lay down for you the values of that business so that you can capture it and understand it and be on mission with them. We get the Bible. And it tells us how to live our lives to show the glory of God. Not simply through our words, but also through our actions. So how do we act? How do we respond when the seagull gets somebody's churro? The church is called by our Lord to be on mission above anything else. You and me, on mission every day. Think about this, friends. There are seven billion people on the planet and God loves each one of them. Every one of them. He knows by name and he loves them. And he has a plan to reach each one of them. There are over 117,000 people in Springfield alone. And the last I read, over 65,000 more all around us. Within 20, 25 miles of this place where we're sitting today. Listen carefully here. God's plan is not simply that some TV show will reach them or some movie will reach them or some big meeting will come into town and reach them or some radio broadcast will, will reach them. God's plan is that he will empower and send his people to reach them. Us. So how, how do I do that? Well, here's, here's one really simple way. We've got door hangers out in the back. You, you can go in your neighborhood. You can get 100 of them, 50 of them, 100 of them. Go in your neighborhood, knock on doors, give them a door hanger, hang it on their door, and invite them to Easter service. That's a simple way to do it. But God's plan is for his people to be up close and personal showing his glory to those all around him. He may, God's people may use a movie or a meeting, but the most important component is them seeing and knowing us. 
and for us to remember if we gross them out, if we turn them off, what, who we serve and what we serve does not even get a chance to be tasted. So Paul says, I'm not doing anything to my advantage. I'm doing things that the many may be saved. The mission of the church is to go into all the world. That's our universal mission. That's why we want to partner with missionaries. That's why we send teams out. The mission of Calvary, of this church, of you and me, in this fellowship, is to compel every person in central Illinois to seriously consider the claims of Christ and to support ministries around the world that do the same. That's why as you leave this building today, we're going to give you some peeps and a ticket to have a little bit of fun doing what we're called to do. Doing what God would have us to do. And for those of you who really feel aggressive, go get a bunch more tickets and pass them out as, to as many people as you can. But here's our call. We want you to use your influence. Use your touch in people's life to get somebody to church here on Easter Sunday that doesn't go to church. The Christian is supposed to have overflowing influence. I want you to get a picture of that. Get, get a picture of some cup or some glass, and it's not just full, but it's overflowing off onto the table, down onto the floor. God wants us to have this overflowing influence wherever we go, an influence that is compelling. And sadly, many times as Christians, because we've gotten off mission, we, we don't. Do you have compelling influence? Like I said, Disney, Disney has compelling insurance because... They have a clear mission that is inviting, and they stay on mission. People spend a lot of money to go there and experience what they offer for a day, a week, 10 days. Because they understand what the mission is. They understand what they're trying to do. And I'll tell you what, they do it really well. I remember being at Disney once, and my son, he was about four years old, and we'd been at something, and we'd seen something, and he'd, he'd just been lit up by it, and we're waiting in line to get out of this bed. He jumped up on his chair. He threw his arms around me. He said, oh, Dad, thank you for being here, bringing me here. This is great. And I thought, they know exactly what they're doing. <laughs> they know exactly what they're doing. Do we? We have the most inviting mission of all. We have the hope of eternal life. We have the hope of a fresh start. We have the hope of new power to raise us up, up out of any muck or mire we've been, ever been caught in. We have the hope of Jesus. But are we compelling? Now here's the word of the Father of all, all lies. Here's his word. You don't know anyone who's open to the gospel we sit here today, we hear a message like this, and we say, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody. 
Who, who do I know? I want to tell you, that comes from the Father of all lies. Listen to what Jesus says about that in Matthew chapter 9. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's our world today. Then he said to his disciples, there's not many people interested. There's not many people will come. But I'm going to send you out to them and you just got to knock your head up against a cold, hard wall. Is that what he says? No. Listen to what Jesus says. Get, it, get the truth in. When the enemy whispers this line, there's nobody who's interested. Remember what Jesus says. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. The problem is the laborers. The Billy Graham Association just recently put out a statistic after, doing a, after, after sponsoring a study throughout the U.S., and this is what it came back and said. They said this, 82% of people who don't go to church say they would go on Easter Sunday if somebody invited them. 82% said if somebody invited them on Easter Sunday, they'd come. Wow. Wow. Church, can we be on mission? Can we do what God's called us to do? Now, the key factor for a laborer is influence. This is where many believers become weak from one or two things. One is a lack of knowledge. And on March 19th, on that Saturday morning, from about 9 o'clock to 11 o'clock, we're going to spend some time with a class helping you know how to use the resources, the influence that you have to invite others to come to be at church on Easter Sunday. It's going to be over the Jefferson Street campus, down the fellowship hall. You can sign up out the information booth. I'd love to see, as, I'd love to see all of you there. But I want to, if you, if you don't, if you say, I'd like to get better at this, I want to really be on mission, then, then write March 19th down, come out and join us. Now listen to this statistic. You think about how people get saved. 70% of the people who came to Christ who were not raised in the church, 70% of the people, did not get saved because they listened to a television show or because they went. 70% of the people got saved, not because somebody witnessed even one-on-one -on -one to them. 70% of the people who've gotten saved in those circumstances got saved because somebody invited them to church and they came to Christ at church. Listen, this makes our job, this takes so much pressure off of us. I don't have to be this fabulous evangelist that knows every answer. All I've got to have to do is say, hey, come to church with me. Come to church with me. 
Come see me. I'll do my best to answer any questions that you have afterwards. And if I don't know them, I'll get you to somebody who does. But just come with me. Just come and be a part and see what, ha- and, and see what happens. And then pray, God, let your spirit move on my friend. Move in their life. So part of it comes from this lack of knowledge, and we can do something about that. And, and part of, it, of the problem is we're not protecting our influence. Influence. What makes our influence positive and compelling? Well, first of all, friends, for you to have potential influence, you have to spend time with people. So think of the places where you spend time. Everybody who influences somebody else, they've spent time with you. Oh, Pastor, no, 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 no. I, I, this guy's made a big impact on my life. He spent no time with him, but I've read all his books. You spent time with him. You spent time reading his book. You understand something about He's influenced you because you know what he's written. Our biggest places of influence, positive influence, should be where we spend the most time, in our home, in the places that we work, in the places that are around us. And we should protect our influence, protect the, our mission in all of those places for the glory of God's kingdom. This last week, Renee and I were down at Fort Lauderdale at this, at this uh, 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 conference, One Hope Conference. We spent a couple of days. We took a couple of days and, and, and just stayed after it was over and, and hung out. And each day we went out and walked three or four miles up and down the beach. And, and, and listen, uh, a lot of college kids were down there and, and doing what they do. Do you understand? I had zero influence. Zero influence. You know why? I've not spent time with any of them. None of them know me. None of them could care less about me. Because I have zero time with them. I have zero influence. But in my home, hopefully in this place, my influence goes up because of time I spend. So where do you spend time? Now, the other thing that impacts uh, influence is power. Power contains influence. My dad had great influence in my, my life because he had the power of dad. You're, a boss has great influence because they have the power of boss. A manager has great influence because they have the power of a manager. But hear me, time and power do not guarantee positive inf- influence. In fact, if I have used them selfishly or somebody's used them wrong, it makes it negative influence. The time hurts instead of helps. So I've got to analyze myself and say, listen, do I have positive, overflowing influence, godly influence in my home and in my life, in the places where I spend time, in the places where I have power, or is my influence hurting the mission and if it's hurting the mission, I've got to do some repentance. I've got to get some things right. So think about the sphere of influence. If I stop at the grocery store today, pick up some on the way home, I have, I have a very low time, very low power, and not much influence. If I go to the same grocery store every week, my time goes up, and I have the potential for some more influence because I see the same people week after week. If I become the manager of that grocery store, 
and I'm there every day. My potential for leadership and my potential to fulfill mission and have influence goes way up because I'm there a lot of time and I have some power. Again, that influence can be bad or it can be good. So think of the areas of your life where you have high potential for influence. Home, work, community, a the, the, the workout place that you go to, the church that you attend. You have both time and maybe you even have some power there. Is it good or bad? Are you overflowing with godly influence? Are you, are you, you, you working to make the many come to be saved? Now, how do I make it good? How do I get on mission? And, and I'll tell you, this works in places even when you have low power, but you have time. Time's required. The first one is this, consistency of life. You have to be on mission all the time. You have to understand wherever you go, I'm here on mission from God all the time. Grocery store, place that you work, the place where you work out. I'm on mission here. I can't talk one thing and live another. Dads, listen. You sit here today and say, I want my children to live for God. But you tell them off-color jokes, trying to be cool. You are off mission. You're just way off mission. You've got to understand. You've got this child that you have the opportunity to influence for the, th the things of God. You never pray with them because, you know, you're, you're uncomfortable doing that. Get on mission, men. You've got influence. You've got time. You've got power. Step it up. You want them to love God and serve God? Learn to pray with them. Learn to talk to them about the things of God. Begin to tell them. Begin to show them how your life has been changed. Don't be off mission. Be consistent. Don't just bring them to church. Be the church. Be the church. Number two, friendliness of life. This, is this has to be based on love for people. Do you love people? Then be friendly. You go to the grocery store, you see the same gal checking you out every week. Be friendly. You, you go into the, the office every day. Hey, get all your complaining and griping and all the stuff out. Leave it in the car. Set it in the seat next to you. Get up. Go inside. Get on mission. You are a representative of the kingdom of God in that place. Be on mission. The restaurant that you go to. Number three, service of need. Our call is to serve those around them. That may start by praying privately for them, and it may move to chances where you, God gives you a chance to pray with them. But look for the need and serve the need. When you serve the need, when you do things for the other person's advantage, that's when you're on mission. Influence goes up. And you get to share the greatest thing that you have. Patience and mercy. <laughs> I was at, at the health club I go to a couple, a week or so ago. And I got talking to this young, young kid. And, uh, uh, you know, it's obviously he wasn't from right here. I said, where are you from? He, he told me, nice, nice young man, nice young man. He told me where he's from. He's from South America. I said, well, I've been to South America a few times. I said, where, where have you been? He, I said, uh, I've been to Argentina a few times. He goes, oh, you are a lucky man. 
I said, really, why am I a lucky man? He goes, they have beautiful women. <laughs> beautiful women in Argentina. I said, well, I said, I was there on a missions trip, and I was there with my wife. He said, that does not keep you from looking. <laughs> now listen, if my son said that to me, I'd say, son, that's not appropriate. If one of you said that to me, I'd say, you know what? That really, it's not appropriate. But sitting there with this young man, I knew that to offer that at that point in time, I'm not gonna re he's not going to relate to almost anything that I say at that point in time. That's time to offer patience and mercy and go on. Build the relationship. If I'd had pastoral power and time invested, we might would have talked about how he views women. Right now, I'm just trying to build time and influence friendship. This is why some never gain influence. Why, why, why we're not able to fulfill mission. Inconsistency of life. Inconsistency of really loving people and being friendly with people. Inconsistency or failure to serve. Inconsistency in being judgmental instead of being patient. You know, when I meet people who are far from God, you know what I expect them to act like? People who are far from God. That's what I expect. Listen again to what Paul says. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage but that of the many, that they may be saved. A few months ago, Renee and I started going to a new restaurant in town, and, uh, and this restaurant is, uh, they've done a good job, but the food's good, and, and, the, and the, the waiters and waitresses there are, are very friendly and and I like the food, so I've gone there quite a bit. And uh, they're friendly, so it makes it easy. I've been friendly back, gotten to know several of them there. When I come in, I call them by name. They call me by name. And I had the chance in the last week or so to, to, to look at one and say, listen, I, I, want you to, I want you to come to church. I want you to come to our church. Can you, come on, can you get off on Easter Sunday and come to church? And I was in about a week ago, and, and, and the young lady was there, and she said, I've got off Easter Sunday. Me and my daughter are coming to church. I'm coming to church. You know, I'm thrilled. I, I just look, I, I don't know what her relationship with God is. Maybe she's saved. I don't know. I, I just know this. I know God loves her. I know God loves her. And if we'll go be friendly and reach out to people, God will open the door for us. When I was a young man, when I was in high school, I had a teacher that I really liked and he was, he was good, good to me. and When I got out of school, I would still go back and see him. In fact, we did a few things together. He'd have me come back and do some things for his classes from time to time. And, and, uh, and I had him come do some things at church a few times. But we really never had a serious talk about faith. And uh, I was out one day. As, as years had gone by, I was out one day and I ran into a, another person who worked in the offices 
at, at, at Springfield High School is where I went to high school. And, and she knew me. She had been in the office a few times um, <laughs> for various reasons that we won't talk about today. Um, and, uh, and she said, she, she named the teacher and she said, uh, you know, he's, he's in the hospital. And I said, no, I didn't know that. She said, you ought to go see him. You really ought to go see him. And it was just a really a brief, short conversation. And as she walked away, I thought, you know, that'd be kind of weird. I mean, just show up at the hospital. I'll, I'll wait till he gets out of the hospital. When he gets out of the hospital, uh, I'll come by the school and see him. I'll go by his house and see him. That, that's a little more natural. I'll, I'll do that. About a week later, I got a call that he died. I just got off mission. I don't know what could have happened in that conversation, but more could have happened than what happened without it. It's one of the regrets I carry in life. I had a relationship with this person, and I liked them. They were good to me. Who's in your life? You don't know where they're going yet. You like them, they like you. Friends, hear me. It is time to be on mission. A few months ago, at the beginning of this year, we stood around this altar, many of us, and we said, we're all in this year. I want to challenge you. Let's be all in for Easter. March 27th. Let's be all in. Let's reach out. You be praying for us that God gives us a message that will reach down into the hearts of every person that comes in the door. And let's be on mission to do what God has called us to do and compel people to come into his house. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together today and let's pray. Yeah, give the Lord a clap offering, would you? Prayer teams, would you come down to the front right now? If you'll just say to the Lord, Lord, I want to be on mission. I want to be on mission. Just lift your hands to the Lord today. Lord, I want to be on mission. Every day of my life, I want to be on mission. Father, we lift our hands to you right now to say, we want to be on mission, Lord. We want to do what you've called us to do. We don't want one to be lost. We don't want one. Father, we want to be used of you. So every place that we go, don't let us gross anybody out. Don't let us turn anybody off. Let us be on mission in what we're called to do. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let your Holy Spirit speak to us daily. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now listen, friend. If you've never surrendered your life to Christ, that's the most important thing you can do in your life. We take it really seriously. It's a simple thing. God's done all the work. All you've got to do is receive Him into your life as your Lord and as your Savior. In these next few minutes, people are going to be coming down here to be prayed for for a lot of things. We believe God answers prayer. You're sick, you have a need in your home, you've got a big decisions to make, whatever it is, don't leave without prayer. But if you're standing here today and you've never asked Christ in your life or you've wandered from him, you're struggling with something, maybe you're struggling with an addiction, whatever it is, before you leave, 
Just come down and say that to one of these. They will lead you in prayer. They'll make sure before you leave this place that your heart's right with God. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life is opening your heart to the power and the presence of Jesus Christ. Thanks for worshiping with us today. God bless you. Grace and peace.